it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer, in one of the most relaxed conversations that I think we have ever had, as I speak with Johnny Day from Capital Brewing. I first met Johnny Day through his role as brand manager with the iconic Little Creatures brand, and he immediately impressed me with a business acumen that was potentially masked by a chilled surfer dude persona. You're going to see both on show today in this conversation as we discuss his career progression from pulling coffees in his parents' restaurant to his current role as the newly appointed marketing manager at Capital Brewing and the many stops and lessons that he's learned along the way, hopefully ones that you and I can both learn from. So without any further ado, this is Johnny Day. Johnny Day, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thanks, legend. It's good to hear your voice. Oh, mate, it's uh, well, it's great to see your face. So, you know, these new technologies, uh, it, 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 it's nice to talk and see you at the same time, seeing we can't be having a beer. Yeah, that's the next stage. Let's get get together for a beer after this, eh? Let's do that. But uh, who is Johnny Day? Like, for, for those who don't know, you know, I've, I've got your CV in front of me. But, uh, you know, for, for those who don't know, how would you describe Johnny Day? Oh, surfer. All about the good vibes. Uh, grew up in hospitality and, and now has the dream job of working with his best mates. And I should say that that's at Capital uh, Brewing? It surely is. Mate, I'm just scrolling down through a fairly long uh, LinkedIn profile that starts <laughs> with cocktail bartender, Trinity Bar, August 2005. Now, was that like a, a university job or you know, it's, it's the first drinks job that uh, I know about? But uh, how did you come to be there? Well, you know what? I actually grew up in hospitality, so my first hospitality job was well before that. Um, parents owned a, a restaurant in Canberra called Rubicon, um, and I got to make the soft drinks and coffee behind the bar there. From what age? Uh, that was probably about 13 or 14. Okay. Um, and then from 17, I got a job at Debacle. I'm not sure if you know this uh, bar in Canberra. It was one of the first craft beer bars in Canberra serving you know, little creatures, Redback, Mountain Goat, Cooper's Pale Ale. So I was pouring beers there and, and slinging pizzas. <laughs> and then um, I was lucky enough to get a job at Trinity Bar from there. Um, and that's when I got into cocktail bartending. And from there, went over to Whistler and worked there for two years running the, the Four Seasons bars uh, for a couple of years, which was pretty epic, snowboard all day bartend at night and then uh, smash the dance floor after that and then repeat um, and then came back and, and yeah went into a bit of university study. What led you to Canberra? I mean Canberra is one of those places that you know the, the vast majority because it's the seat of government most people seem to be somehow associated with that so is it, you, you grew up in Canberra? Yeah yeah born and bred um, no, no political ties uh, my mum worked at the ANU and dad was a carpenter. Um, so yeah, just, just grew up there. And I'm, I'm, you know, I live in Sydney now, but I'm still the biggest custodian of Canberra. I think it's such an epic place to grow up. All the kind of good things about you know, country life, you know everyone, great community and network. 
um, but you've also got you know one of the highest per capita amount of restaurants, um, people with a lot of disposable income, so you know a lot of nice dining and experience to be had. And now you've got stuff like the Arboretum, which is super beautiful, and you've got National Gallery of Australia and all the museums and all that kind of stuff to check out as well. So there's a, there's a lot of fun to be had, um, but also those perks of that kind of smaller town um, yeah, provides. Not a lot of surf, though. No surf, yeah, outside of the three o'clock uh, wave at like Burley Griffin that we all paddle out for. But besides that, uh, Browley is the uh, the closest beach, which is about two hours away. So I found most of my uh, weekends in the summer, you know, especially once I got my peas in the car, flying down there to, to shred some waves. Growing up in and around hospitality, so you, your mum was at ANU, but they still had a hospitality interest. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for a period of time when the building industry kind of went flat in Canberra, Dad uh, spent a couple of years up in Sydney. Uh, and whilst he was there, um, did a bit of work with Owen Kenyon, which is the head chef and, and main owner of Rubicon now. Um, and while they were up there, you know, they, they got talking. And, and, and when the building industry went back on track, Dad moved back to Canberra and as part of that friendship decided to kick off a restaurant together. So that was kind of our first in to hospitality. And I can tell you the meals on the table all of a sudden changed from (laughs) meat and veg um, to oysters and champagne and things that we've never had and been exposed to in our life. Um, Yeah, and and, and that's how we got into it. And, you know, I ended up having the cellar for the restaurant in my room um, and, you know, got got familiar with different types of wines, um, you know, by collecting what we needed to stock up the day and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, that, that's how we kind of got brought into our lives, I guess. It, it, it's interesting you say that because I guess your parents not being hospitality professionals, you know, as first option, you would have seen them going through a fairly extensive learning process. Massively. As I said, you know, the food on the table changed different types of, you know, drinks, you know, new wines, premium wines started to, to be poured and tasted. The conversation change, and as you know, kind of starts the, the governance, what you talk about at the dinner table. So, yeah, sharp, sharp learning curve. Um, and, you know, something I'm super proud to, to have as part of my life. I think, you know, personally I think everyone should have a job in hospitality growing up. Um, it teaches you how to kind of serve people. And it teaches you how to kind of hold yourself at the dinner table as well, which I think is a great skill to have and something you can leverage later on in life. It sounds like you, the, the, the hospitality jobs you started in were, you know, like a lot of people, not as a dedicated career, but it was something you, you stumbled into and then you travelled and you came back and you studied hospitality. What was the thinking there? Did you decide that it was a profession? So I actually studied um, advertising and marketing. Okay. Um, whilst working in hospitality. So at that time I was managing um, Hippo Bar, yep. and um, which is a bar that's still kicking in, in Canberra. Um, and you know, from there I went into a Bachelor of International Business. Okay. Um, once I finished that up, I kind of used that marketing and advertising studies I did at CIT to kick off my first business, which was called Johnny Cosmopolitan, um, which was a cocktail catering and events business. I used to cruise around with a, um, a trailer with two bars, two back bars, all the glassware and stuff like that, and, and do a whole bunch of different corporate events and, and consulting. Um, yeah, and then from there, 
sold that up and, and moved to Sydney and kind of jumped into the, the advertising industry from there. So yeah, had a, had a bit of a stint of ownership and hospitality. And I guess that's just leveraging that network that you have and a place that you feel comfortable to implement what you learned at university. I think yeah, at that time, and I feel I still do have that kind of entrepreneurial spark. Um, you know, and, and that allowed me to kind of really get a feel for what it's like to own your own business and, and a lot of learnings that come with it, I guess. What, what, what did you learn, I, I guess, is a question, because your book learning and, uh, you know, you, you can read so much, but then the day you open your first business, that's when the learning really begins. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I had to learn a lot about, you know, selling yourself and your service um, in that change of conversation from, you know, selling the main course or the, you know, wine that you want to go into, into a kind of a bigger business. Um, also learned the value of a network. Um, so going back to the benefits of Canberra and, and the, the community that you have, I was able to capitalize on that. Um, you know, everyone knew me as this kind of high-end bartender and I had a great crew of um you know staff that that worked for me and i was able to utilize those guys whenever we got the call up for an event um you know bringing the best of the best from canberra to to bartend at your your corporate event or you know birthday party or whatever it might be so some big learnings and you know i still you know see a lot of value in the people that you surround yourself in so you know some of that still holds true through to now so you sold that up and moved to sydney and got involved in uh, advertising yeah, so I did a quick stint in bars when I moved here just to meet people. Sydney's a hard place to, to, to make friends, especially when you're starting from scratch. So six months there at a bar called The Crossing in Bondi. And then from there, went over to, to Channel T, um, now called Dig Agency. Okay. That was a kind of digital-led agency where I did a lot of the social media and digital strategy for Hungry Jacks, actually, you know, slinging whoppers and frozen <laughs> jokes. So I was there for a couple of years and, and the, um, yeah, the, the creative team were based in Melbourne. So I got a lot of creative exposure there as well, creative strategy mm-hmm. and presenting, um, which I feel like that's kind of where I learned a lot of that skill set. Um, and then from there, jumped over to UM where I got a job called a connections design designer or a connections design director. Um, and that's when I got my first taste of working in the beer industry. Um, we were lucky enough to win Lion um, as part of a pitch process. And I worked on that account for five years. And yeah, some mad times on that was you know part of the OG team working on Furphy when it first got a yep. advertising budget. Obviously, it's a bit of a behemoth now. But back in the day, those briefs were just targeting Victoria. Um, and, you know, they were, they were quite small budget wise. And, you know, we had to really think about the channels we were using then. You know, got to work on Forex and the Goldie Cricket campaign, which was pretty pretty epic, and other kind of big brands like that at Line, which you know we all hold close to our hearts. And part of was Australia. that the gold cap where the gold yeah. cap with the cheering built in? Yeah, 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 correct. Clearly, you had a hospitality and drinks background, but then a business and a advertising marketing bent. What was it about your time there that? You know, did did well, I should shouldn't presume? Did you have an affinity for beer um, through that, or was it what was it about the product that has seen you carve out a, a a niche more focused in that area? Yeah, I guess you know, I guess the hospitality background and and love for beverages probably you know it, it starts there. But then the epic team that I got to work with that line, like everyone there is so passionate about what they do, and it's a fun industry. You know, like beer is fun. 
we always got to remind ourselves on that and you know, every response and brief that we got was you know epic you know so started to build a good friendship with those guys over those five years um and then you know little creatures opportunity came up and, and shout out to danielle castles you know took a punt on me and and um you know asked if i'd like to come over and, and take on that role as part of a maternity leave contract and yeah, it was, I'm so stoked she asked me and, and you know, stoked I made that decision. It's interesting you say that, you know, beer is fun and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun product to consume and it's a fun product to the lifestyle around it is. But at the same time, it's business. And, and, and this is one of the inherent, you know, challenges that the that the whole brewing industry faces is that it's business you know but and we're, we're passionate about it it's fun it's a nice thing to be part of and you know how do you reconcile the two you know what, what is it that when you're working in a creative area that makes beer different to toothpaste for example maybe it's going back and looking at the history of beer advertising as well and that you know a lot of it is connected to the culture at that point in time of Australia. Um, so, you know, that naturally gravitates probably to the kind of um, persona of me as well. Um, you know, that being said, some of the, the ads and the positioning of, of the beer industry, which I'm, I'm super supportive of, has probably taken a bit more of a serious tack now as well. Um, and, you know, I believe that a lot of Australians look up to beer brands um, and you know, sometimes we got to take that you know, stature and, and make sure that we're delivering a, a positive message as well. Um, so, yeah, but to, to begin with, probably just the humour and you know, the fact that it, it latches on to the, that culture of now. That's one of the things that fascinates me is that you can track the history of Australia through the history of beer um, in, 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 in so many ways, both the products we drink, the, the way it's marketed, the way it's referred to. On, on, on that read of beer reflecting culture where are we culturally now as australians um if if beer was able to you know if beer was our time capsule i reckon there's there's two really good examples of of that um both brands i've worked on so maybe i'm a bit closer to that but you know little creatures and the all creatures welcome you know platform and campaign i think is a great reflection of you know equality um and where the culture's heading there um, you know, their partnership with Mardi Gras, which I was so lucky to, to march in um, this year, is a great example of bringing that to life in events and, and the way in which they've brought on, you know, different talent and, and producers and, and the creative platform has been epic. And it, I think, it, you know, it's paid in dividends and how it resonates with uh, especially the younger consumers that are expecting that um, from brands. Um, the other great example from capital um, is more around the sustainability um, you know, angle, and we know that consumers are super. You know, consumers see that as super important as part of their purchase decision. Um, that brands are contributing where they can to the environment and taking a stance in encouraging the industry um, to you know be better. And um, you know, I think capital is a great example of that. You know, the the work they're doing towards. Um, securing B Corp, and I believe you you hosted a webinar around um, you yep. know, carbon neutral and stuff like that recently with Dan Waters, who's who's the guy driving that at Capital alongside Lawrence. Um, but those decisions, even though they are right, are also very much driven by the the opinions of the consumers and wanting to purchase products that are doing more than just selling. In looking at it 
that way then does beer does it reflect what's going on in society or does it lead some of those changes i feel like it's on us to lead and be guided by the consumer so we're market orientated we see what the consumer is doing um, where the preferences are and then you know pivoting and 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 altering our stance to to relate with them Um, but also as i said before we're lucky enough to be uh, in an industry that a lot of consumers look up to and, and talk about. Um, so I feel like it's on us as well um, to take and make those positive choices and, and lead a lot of that positive change uh, that I guess consumers are wanting to see um, and encouraging the rest of the industry to go in that direction as well. One of the brands that I love um, is Little Creatures. You know, it, 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 it's, it's to me the beer, even you, you can trace the history of craft beer back to Matilda Bay, you know, in, in, in the modern craft beer movement. But the beer that is the ground zero for the rapid change that we see now is Little Creatures, you know, circa 2000. And uh, you were the brand manager um, for them when they celebrated their 21st birthday, which is a, you know, historical milestone of coming of age. What challenges did you see for, for a brand that was so important, so influential, um, but then also as it matures in in, in, a, in a rapidly evolving marketplace um, as the brand manager there yeah i think the biggest kind of challenge that we worked through was working on repositioning the brand to be relevant to today's consumer so some of those beers even though it was still very much loved by the industry um you know weren't evolving with the taste palettes um and also the younger consumer coming up um you know wasn't associating with that that brand as much as they needed to so Looking from a product point of view, um, you know, introducing Pacific Ale and Hazy IPA and those types of varieties that we're seeing uh, resonating with today's consumers, but also looking at the you know positioning, um, as I mentioned, all creatures welcome. Um, you know, creating a platform that resonates um, with today's consumers were the kind of the two big challenges that that we worked through while I was there. I, I mean, I appreciate that you're not authorised to speak. Um, for them and, and, and having moved on but it, we can even talk about it generally but it's, it's it's interesting little creatures was such a pivotal beer it probably influenced more current australian brewers to get involved in the industry than any other um i i'd, I'd argue but as and, and as lion came to be involved you know everyone was looking for signs that had been dumbed down or changed or you know ruined in some way which is the negative connotation, but you, you also said consumer palates change and there has to be a market for a beer. How does a business that grows and evolves through change, you know, meet the very, you know, there are so many pressures on a brand to stay the same, but also change and evolve. How do you do that? Yeah, I think you just have to listen to the market, have good research um, you know, be out there talking to the industry, but also the consumer. Um, but then also, you know, at the end of the day, backing yourself. Um, and I think also not changing everything at, at once. You know, it's only small tweaks here and there that need to happen to to kind of reposition the brand in the consumer's eyes. You know, so like there's still elements of little creatures um, when you go into the tap room and, and the breweries that are still very much the same that are almost in a way I feel ahead of their time. Like, you know, they've always supported individuality um, and encouraging people to, to come to breweries 
and to work in the way they are, showing their tattoos, no uniform, all that kind of stuff, um, which was really edgy back then, but now you know is is kind of considered and expected to be the the norm. So yeah, it didn't didn't take a lot, but um, you know, maybe that was just because the the brand had a lot of it covered already. It's interesting you say it was ahead of its time, because again that goes back to my question about leading or following, and I, I, I guess some brands can get too far ahead of the market to their own detriment. How hard is it to be, you know, ahead of the market, but not too far ahead that you're irrelevant? Because too far ahead makes you as irrelevant as being too far behind the market. Yeah, totally. I think, and that's just keeping your finger on the pulse with the consumer, you know, and being able to see enough to, to be relevant without, you know, jumping jumping the gun. So yeah, it's a, it's a fine balance. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to, you know, pick what you value as a brand and, and make sure that you, you know, is in touch with the consumer and that you, you keep at it. I was going to say, you know, it's interesting you say, know what you want to represent or know what you are as a brand, because when you say the consumer, um, who is the consumer? Is it every beer drinker or, you know, what is the consumer that you need to be staying current with? For us, that consumer is that craft beer drinker in the ACT um, in New South Wales area um, and also probably what we'd call, you know, gateway craft drinker. So someone that's, you know, might have drunk some more traditional beers but willing to try something a little bit flavorful or, or edgy every now and then. Does the consumer change as the business grows or I guess you need to segment the market you're targeting, but a, a brand like Great Northern um, has a much bigger consumer target than uh, a brand that can be a little bit more characterful and, and niche. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a, a fair point. How does capital grow? You know, and, and uh, presuming you want to grow, um, how does it grow and it, and stay relevant to its original consumer, the people the people that initially targeted, but then bring more people in without losing the old. Yeah, is that that's I reckon that's the million dollar question for us, and we have a really good term internally called inch wide, mile deep, um, and we've implemented this strategy in, in ACT in, in New South Wales. And yeah, as we grow, I think it's super important to hold true to this strategy. Um, and it's one of the reasons Capital I think has been so successful today. So it's basically you know choosing your market carefully. In this instance, ACT and now into New South Wales. Um, and going deep into that community. So, you know, I'm not sure if you're, you've read, but, you know, we've supported 450 different community groups, um, you know, giving back. Um, when you look at our sales team, you know, we over-index in that market. We have five people in Sydney um, looking to get as much kind of volume and touch points in that area as possible. And that allows us to, to also live that kind of good-natured bruise ethos of, of um, you know, giving back to the community as part of the brand. You know, so as, as we do grow, um, it's going to be super important that we continue that and not just kind of sign up to a, a big distribution deal or anything like that if we can't be present and adding value in those new markets that we will potentially grow into. And I guess all of those community partnerships that you were talking about, I mean, there's a significant embedded community response, like a community um, you know, engagement that's the mile deep um, element that yep. you're talking about. Yep. But how do you scale that? How do you start to spread those inches into feet 
um, and broaden that footprint, um, whilst not being any less substantial in the uh, depth of the connection. Yeah, I think it's just continuing to grow that team and making sure that you've got that solid presence in that market. You're looking for those opportunities to sponsor community groups, give back to the communities in areas that they see value in um, and not kind of jumping the gun with your distribution over your kind of team that can cater towards that market. Um, So it's a very sustainable kind of organic way to grow. Um, but I think that you know, by doing such, you're you know, ensuring that you're stable um, and you, know, you can hold true to the brand and, and the person that might experience capital in, in you know, places like Victoria or Queensland one day um, are having a, a similar brand experience to you know, hopefully Canberra and New South Wales. Probably in, in the logical flow of this conversation, as conversations do, we've probably jumped a little bit of ahead because... We left when we went from you working at Lion to suddenly uh, talking about the future of capital. But mm. what was the attraction in leaving Lion? I mean, the opportunities there to work on some of the biggest brands, have significant budgets, do some, as you said, really cool things with really cool people. Mm. Um, can be. I've had friends who are, who work for the big two describe it as golden handcuffs. What was the attraction in sort of leaving? you know, all of that to go to a, uh, you know, a, a fair-sized but, um, you know, regional craft brewery. Yeah. So I, I loved working at Lion and I loved the legends there and I, I learned so much. Um, I guess what attracted me to Capital, it wasn't a decision that I, I took lightly, but um, on that story that I told you about my, my journey, when I went to Trinity, the, the, the manager there was Lawrence Kane, uh, which is one of the owners of Capital. And I end up also work, working with Tom Hotel, which is another one of the owners. So mm-hmm. we've been mates for a really long time and, and have grown up together in hospitality. So, you know, one, being able to work with your best mates, uh, that's a pretty epic perk of the job. Uh, two, great product, you know, ever since they've kicked off Capital, We've always had it stocked in the fridge at home. Um, and you know, Wade does, and the brew team there do an epic job of, of creating some great, you know, what I feel very approachable but tasty craft beers. Thirdly, the, the, the ethos. Um, I mentioned good natured brews. I've never worked in an organization to date that truly lives and breathes an ethos like this. Like it is inter- intertwined into the DNA of, of, of the business. Um, you know, from all the work they're doing in that sustainability kind of B Corp space through to the community investment and all that kind of stuff. And that is quite in line with my values as well. Um, You know, I definitely like to take more of that kind of environmentally friendly approach to to life. Um, And then looking at the kind of passion pillars of the brand as well, you know, hiking, outdoors, uh, surfing, is all kind of very much in line with my life. And, and you know, by working at Capital, I get to what I'm calling the you know, ultimate triangle, getting to live this triangle between Sydney, um, working at the office here, going to Canberra, catching up with family there, um, and then jetting over to Browley where my parents live and, and, and surfing for a couple of days and coming back to Sydney. So, you know, it's a bit of a dream job for me, but that were the kind of key factors um, that you know guided my decision and and also working for a smaller brand it kind of scratches that entrepreneurial itch as well that that i had with johnny cosmopolitan um you know 
one brand, one team, one dream, kind of all driving um, to grow it. It's it's a great a great feeling. Um, you know, when when you're in the boardrooms, kind of making some of those business decisions that everyone's on the same board, and little wins become you know big deals um, when you're on on small organisations. Okay. I was going to say, is it easier to get things done um, in in a smaller business, or, or easier for an individual to feel that they're making an impact? Massively, like there's all the decision makers are in the room. Um, so a lot of the time, you know, you'll have a meeting and, and it's pretty much decided off the back of that, which is great um, for me because it feels like I'm always moving forward and kind of not waiting some through the kind of corporate hierarchy that sometimes bigger businesses have, like when I worked at some of the previous agencies. Um, so much easier to get things done. And, and also, you know, everyone at Capital, anyone can have a, there's a, there's a belief that anyone can have a great idea. So, you know, someone from the tap room um, is welcome to, to walk in and kind of pitch their idea and stuff like that. So you get some great thinking from all levels of the business, which is also you know, a super cool feeling. Mate, one of the great schisms in the brewing industry or the beer industry, one of the things that drove the growth of craft was this idea of big versus small or small versus big. You've worked for what you described as a team of legends in Lion, you know, people that you clearly like and respect and you love the business. But now you're working for one of those businesses that's probably, you know, sees itself as a bit of a David to the Goliath of, of, of the business. How do you reconcile those two? You know, is it capital versus line or is it just you are one brand that's fighting for space in the marketplace, taking on the same consumers? Yeah, I would definitely say it's the, the second there. You know, we definitely don't see ourselves going up against the, the big corporates and as part, part of our strategy. Um, but for us, it's more, you know, thinking about that consumer, how we can be relevant to them whilst, you know, true to our good-natured brews ethos. Um, and then, you know, making sure that we secure space, I guess, from a sales point of view in that, that craft beer section and that there's enough value in the brand that the consumer's coming in and, and looking for our brand and making that purchase decision off the back of it. So, so you don't trade off. Um, I know you guys are fairly active in the independent space, aren't you? So, so it's a, obviously a brand attribute that you see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's on the the packaging and and something that the guys are definitely passionate about. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't see us taking a kind of David and Goliath type approach. I think if you're you're sweating on what the big corporates are up to, you'd just be spending your whole time worrying. Um, but yeah prefer to just run at our own race i guess these conversations are always a little bit hard because i want to sort of ask specifics because uh that, that, that's what matters and i appreciate that you don't want to sort of go too deeply into the uh capital songbook um because uh, it, it's a lot of your competitors are hearing but when you look at the marketplace at the moment what do you see as the great challenges for craft beer brands um you know in in in, in 20 at the, as we approach the end of 2022 yeah i think for, for us, you know, the biggest challenge going back to that inch wide, mile deep is staying true to that strategy as we grow um, and not getting too ahead of ourselves. So that would internally be one of the, the, the key kind of points that we always keep ourselves in check on. Um, you know, in the industry, I guess it's, you know, you've got many different craft breweries out there, um, a whole lot, and, and there's some decisions that these buyers need to be made in bottle shops. So mm. I guess 
making sure that you've got a, a brand that of great perceived value um, and that you know we know consumers are, are looking for and relate with is probably the other kind of big level of focus and, and we definitely invest a lot in the brand both from a, a visual point of view um, the great work done by Mick Healy their creative director but then also investment in the the community side of things um, you know is, is how, how we build that perceived value I guess which I think is super important um, if you're going to do well in that that industry you can't just rely on quality product um, you, you need to go to the to the next level what what are the things that that, that worry you uh, in, in the course of your business? You know, some people get very upset about tap contracts. Some people look at retail space. Others look at the just the growing number of craft breweries and and the competition that that provides. You know, what 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 do you see as the threats um, to, to to capital or to to a small brewery of your size in 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 a region of Australia? Yeah, I guess I guess there aren't any big major threats that we're we're stressing about. I think you know getting through COVID and, and the impact that that had on the on-prem industry was probably something that created a bit of stress um, for the guys. Um, obviously, I wasn't at capital at the time, um, but as close friends, definitely had some chats with them about it. Um, yeah, I guess the biggest things for me now is just staying true to the brand and, and growing at a pace that um, allows us to do so um, and yeah not getting too ahead of ourselves you know we've got a great setup at, at the brewery um, you know pushing two million liters now and, and with the ability to to grow um, well beyond six so we've got a great space there and ability to grow as a brewery um, so it's just it's all set up there it's just sticking to the the core brand dna and growing at the right pace that we can handle um would be the the biggest things that i guess we're keeping on on track of you've said a number of times keeping true to the brand how would you describe your what what words do you use to describe the capital brand so i guess yeah going back to that that ethos of of good natured brews is probably the perfect summary um of that and you know what that is is you know the brand itself it's inspired by the outdoors um you know everything we do we cross check to ensure that it's good for the community good for the environment um you know good for the people that we're we're selling to and they can feel you know comfortable with making that purchase decision around the the brand um and it's fun you know and it's a personable and it's got a level of humor which i think is um you know native to that to the beer industry anyway so that's probably the the nice summary of of, of what is capital and, and the tagline you know being good natured brews feel like that is inherent at every touch point of our of our brand be it the tap room or through to the packaging and and advertising you see one of the things that we really talk about a lot in the brews news office um when we look at the the, the beer industry is that You've talked about some of the things that you talk about, like the environment and some of the things you did at Little Creatures, um, you know, uh, welcoming every creature. Um, It just feels like there's a significant generational change taking place at the moment. Um, You know, people drinking less, people consuming less alcohol, um, more products competing against beer in the marketplace. You know, there there are fewer traditional beer drinkers. what do you think are the big challenges that are coming up for the brewing industry generally, not necessarily individual brands within it? Yeah, it's 
that's a really good question and something that is of hot discussion um, at Capital. Um, you know, we've definitely delved into the the zero alk world to try and cater for that consumer um, you know, drinking less, um, and you know, we've seen some some good dividends there. Yeah, the, the, the next trends are, are going to be super interesting, you know, um, offering those you know, quality brand experiences, I think, are key so the community can get around you. And, you know, that's one of the great reasons we've got the tap room there that people can come and, and immerse themselves in the brands um, you know, and, and latching on to kind of other, you know, consumer needs and wants. You know, and as we said, you know, sustainability is a key element there for us as well. Well, we see, um, as we've seen with a number of other brands, the hub and spoke model where we're going to see capital tap rooms uh, you know, in, in the areas that you're targeting. Nothing's kind of in the pipeline at the moment, but when you look at you know, your ability to contribute to the community, having a, a physical presence there with tap rooms definitely is definitely a, a tactic. Um, that you can employ to to do so. So I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Um, I think there's a lot of growth, you know, still in, in Canberra and New South Wales um, to be had. Um, but, you know, come time to those other states, it would be an interesting discussion to have for sure. Just in the last week, we've seen Gage Roads take on Stomping Ground that was probably arguably more of a retail producer than a wholesale producer at that stage. But do you look at those sorts of you know, takeovers and worry or, or you know, worry about what it means for your business and um, create a nervous tension in making sure that capital is perhaps growing faster than you, you, you did two weeks ago when, when, when you see that sort of merger? You know, do you think that there'll be a wash through from that sale or even if there are more sales that consolidation puts pressure on a business of your size? No, no, I don't. No, mm-hmm. it's like... Yep. I think we're easy as, answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you mentioned we're you know, we've got some key goals and, and we're running our own race and you know uh, understand those those bigger kind of mergers are happening in the industry, but um, you know, we we've got some key things that we want to achieve in front of us and stick into those i guess tim cooper talks about sticking to your knitting and increasingly i hear swimming in your own lane so it seems to be but yet so many businesses seem to be following very similar strategies that I suspect, you know, know, I don't expect you to comment on anyone in particular, but it's just a general overview. Is it hard to stick to your own strategy when you see such a dynamic industry around you? No, not particularly. I think now that I've, I'm I'm three weeks in at at Capital, right? And so it's fairly new, but um, looking at how kind of intertwined good natured brews is into this company, I don't think it's hard at all to stick to the strategy. You know, there's a formula that's that's working for the brand um, and company, allowing it to grow, um, whilst also staying true to all the crew that work there. You know, like everyone believes in that. You know, and I don't. Uh, yeah, they, you just have to talk to one of the people in the packaging or tap room or anything to know that you're on the the right track. So it's constant little reminders, I guess, and they they keep you on track. It first struck me when we worked together with with little creatures, and um, 
for somebody who was working in a very, very corporate role uh, at that stage, you always struck me as being a real dude. And clearly, you're a surfer and things like that. And the way that you speak, very thoughtful, but you know, it's just got a, a, a touch of the dude about you. Um, how do you find, you know, hopefully you don't find that in any way insulting because I think it's a, it, it, it's fairly apparent from the way that you talk. But um, is it, you know, how do you sit in a boardroom when clearly you've got um, you know, sensibilities that aren't suit and tie? Well, luckily, everyone's pretty similar at Capital, so <laughs> it's, all, it's all pretty laxed. Um, you know, and I guess in the past, I've just stayed true to myself, you know, and, and not yeah. tried to get too worked up in, in what other people are wearing or how they're operating. If you're, if you're confident in your you know, opinion and, and what you're there to do, um, I think, and, and you're doing a good job of that. That's probably all the, that matters, you know. Um, but, yeah, glad I'm, I'm in a place that, yeah, we don't have too many crazy boardroom meetings as such. <laughs> any, any boardroom meeting is the one with surfboards as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, is there anything that's interesting you in the industry at the moment or things that are going on at Capital that you're interested in talking about? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing you know, for us and, and one thing I would definitely encourage the industry to come and check out is our, our work in you know, carbon neutral um, mm-hmm. and, and the sustainability in, in B Corp space. Um, the guys have definitely, and I can't take credit for this because this is a, long, uh, you know, a lot of work in the making well before I started, but the guys have been doing some amazing work there um, and the angle that they've taken on, you know, offering publicly the guide to to being carbon neutral for other breweries um, Mm. to follow and download is available there on on the website so i think you know as i said earlier the beer industry is a very influential industry on on society um and you know you'll see in the guide it it doesn't take a lot doesn't cost a lot if you look at your per case rate to be carbon neutral and to make those positive environmental choices so um, yeah, highly encourage you to jump on the website, download that PDF and, and look out for some you know, other news in this space that we're working on at the moment. And hopefully, you know, in the future, we can you know, host events and, and, and stuff like that to spread that word and encourage the industry to follow suit. Um, yeah, it would be, it'd be pretty epic to see a couple of other breweries you know, get on board and, and lead the way. And hopefully that has a knock-on effect to other industries as well. It's funny, harking back to our beer versus toothpaste part of the conversation, to me, that's one of the things I love about beer is that you can have these serious conversations, but, and and it's a mechanism to have those conversations in a way that is still relaxed and, you know, you, you can tackle big issues over something that brings us great pleasure um, and it facilitates those serious conversations in a way that, you know, we, we can still, you know, not get too weighed down massively i think we should be super proud of that as well and, and take on that opportunity to to spread that good word and and the, the conversation you're talking about with dan what is that was recorded something that i emceed or hosted for the iba so that will be available so if you're not a member if you are listening to this and you wanted to hear it it is for iba members only but it was a brilliant chat um, and dan is just one of those incredibly knowledgeable and passionate people who uh you know it, it, it was fascinating. But jump on the IBA website if you remember, and if not, yeah, you probably should be. You, you do have a uh, 
completely um, apart from this chat we were talking off mic, you do have a tree planting uh, coming up in October. Is that something that you, I, I can give you a free uh, plug for? That's as part of our Trees for Tomorrow campaign um, in which when you buy a case over winter, um, we plant a tree. Um, so I think we're looking at planting around 3,000 trees um, this year in the Snowy Mountains, um, going up there and and it's going to be an epic day and hopefully Matt you can come along and get around it and put those um, you know, keyboard hands to, to their test. <laughs> Give me some blisters you reckon. We'll provide some gloves don't worry I've got soft, <laughs> got soft marketing hands as well so yeah, we'll see how we'll, we'll cope. <laughs> awesome well I'd, I'd encourage everybody to uh, jump on the social media if you're, if you're at all interested in finding out how you can support it or be involved but uh well, mate, Johnny Day, it's been a great chat. You know, I feel very relaxed. Uh, not all of the, 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 the chats are quite this, um, you know, I hope you don't mind being called the dude, but uh, it, yeah. it's, it's been a very, very relaxed chat that I've uh, very much enjoyed, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. So uh, thank you for joining me for this conversation about yourself and about beer. Thanks so much, Matt, you legend. And that was Johnny Day, and thank you uh, to Johnny. As you, I'm sure you'll agree, it was a very, very laid-back conversation. If you'd like some more laid-back conversations, you can join our Facebook group. Just search for Radio Brews News on Facebook and use the password Soapbox. If you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out by sponsoring the show. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting service, or you can email us at producer at brewsnews.com.au to share your thoughts. And of course, you can find links to each of those in the show notes.